Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Veteran Founder Podcast. I am your host, Carmen Nazario. Josh Carter is out this week. If you have never joined us, this podcast explores the founder journey of extraordinary people who have served our country. This week, we'll be diving into the journey of Flags of Valor founder, Brian Stortz. Brian is an Army as well as an Air Force veteran. When he left the military, Brian set off to create something meaningful. Thus, Flags of Valor was born. Of course, there is much more to the story, and we're going to hear all about it right now. So, welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate it. So, it's kind of significant that yesterday we celebrated Flag Days, and today we get to feature uh, your enterprise, Flags of Valor. So, what we... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, I thought it was uh, very timely. So, I... Uh, so, what we want to hear and what our listeners like to know is your journey, your story. Uh, where? Tell me first, where are you from, uh, Brian? Where did you grow up? Well, that's always an interesting question, right? I think a lot of military brats kind of struggle with that question. I think ultimately mostly Florida. Um, I grew up, um, I was born in Louisiana at Barksdale Air Force Base. My dad was in the uh, Air Force when I was born, and I moved and lived in you know, nine states and went to four different high schools in four years. But ultimately, Florida, uh, I grew up on the east coast of Florida while my dad was at Patrick Air Force Base in Melbourne, Florida, and then... I was mostly stationed the whole time in the Air Force in the Panhandle in Fort Walton Beach near Destin, Florida. Oh, wow. So I would say Flor- Florida is probably my home state. Ah, uh, yes. And so, uh, so I didn't know you were a military brat. So, uh, so naturally, uh, would you say that led you to go into uh, the military then? The fact that, you know, you, you, your family or your dad was in, in the service and, and you kind of lived the life of, of a military um, um so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, you know, I had a small but big military family. I, uh, starting with my grandfather, who was a master chief in the Navy for, you know, 28 years, um, followed by my father, who was in the Air Force for 25 years. And uh, my brother served in the Army uh, for four years, an infantry guy. And then my sister was in the Navy for four years. And, and everyone in my family had served and, and not only just served, but had spent multiple times overseas, deployed in combat environments. And I always felt that need uh, and and compelled to was compelled to to serve a greater cause. And so, you know, I, I grew up a military brat and, and traveled all around the country and, and lived in multiple states. And um, my brother had just, you know, I watched my brother, who was my hero, grow up and go off to, you know, the first Gulf War when the refineries were on fire. And um, it was a, it was a, it was a special day in my family. And, and I remember sitting there as a little kid, I think I was 12 and watching the TV and watching my brother's unit get called up. And, um, next thing I know, you know, he's overseas and, uh, 
um, just looking at my parents and watching, you know, my dad had served in Vietnam for a couple tours. So you could tell he was concerned, but he wasn't, you know, he was very stoic and, and that generation doesn't talk about anything. And, you know, and that's, you know, expected, but you could just tell that as a son to that, my father was, he had a concern on his face and especially my mother. I mean, gosh, she was emotional as most mothers are. So, um, no, it was a special day. You know, my brother went over and not too long, my sister was over on a, on a, you know, in the Navy off the coast and, um, him coming back, um, and hearing stories and, and not just of combat, but time with, uh, you know, being in the army and jumping out of planes. And I really wanted to do that. So I decided to join the army and follow my brother's footsteps and completely not listen to my father who wanted me to go into the air force. Um, Mm. And so, you know, as a, as an 18 year old kid, no one listens to their parents. Right. So, um, I decided I wanted to, you know, go jump out of planes and, and follow along in my brother's footsteps. And so I joined the 82nd airborne and, um, did that for three years and it was awesome. You know, a couple knee surgeries and a, a broken, you know, tailbone later from some bad jumps. I guess I was terrible at jumping out of airplanes, by the way. Um, and it was a great time. I spent most of my time at Fort Bragg in North Carolina, and um, it was a it was a lot of fun. And I still miss a lot of the guys that I served with, uh, even to this day. So, uh, so I did that, and then yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, did you do combat as well? What what time did. period so did you serve? When I was serve? in the army, mm-hmm. I did not at the time. When I was in the army, and that's important. I'm glad you brought that up. That's actually an important part of my story. Um, I was in pre 9-11, so we weren't doing anything at the time. We were just training and jumping and, you know, being effective at our job. Um, but there was no conflict. Kosovo did happen while I was in. Um, I actually volunteered. One of the There was about 10 of us in our whole company that were supposed to be selected as the volunteers to go support another one of our um, units. But that got canceled at the last minute. So another battalion, another um, company within the battalion went and served over in, in Kosovo. So, yeah, this was all, you know, pre 9-11. Um, it was a different mindset then. It was a different, um, you know, we hadn't been attacked on our own soil. So we didn't we didn't know what we didn't know. Right. So I did that and um, I got out and went to college on the, you know, post or the GI uh, Bill. Army GI Bill and, and the Army Scholarship Fund and. And that kind of paved my way for college. And I always wanted to get into business. And I was, you know, going through business school and for my undergraduate. And then 9-11 happened. And I actually actually remember where I was that day. Like most people, I was in macroeconomics. And the only reason I'll ever remember that I was in macroeconomics, because I don't remember taking one lesson learned from that using it in my life. It was a a really challenging class. But because it was 9-11, I do remember that I was in macroeconomics. And I was, um, well, I was upset. I was really pissed off, uh, as most Americans are and, and, and were. And um, yeah, I, walked I, across, I walked across campus that day, and I went straight into ROTC uh, on, on, on campus and asked how I can serve again. Um, and so I had an opportunity to join the Air Force this time based on being around airplanes and based on being an you know, Air Force brat and, and going from jumping out of planes to flying them. I always want, you know, I always grew up wanting to fly them, but for some reason I joined the army first and that was mostly to retaliate against what my dad wanted me to do. <laughs> no one likes to be told what they want to do, do something else. And plus I wanted to be like my brother. So this time I got a chance to join the Air Force and became a pilot. 
um, and, Air, and then I got accepted into Air Force Special Operations Command down in Hurlburt Field, Florida, down in the Panhandle. And I did that, and it was um, it was an incredible job. I got to fly um, an aircraft called a U-28, which is an intelligence surveillance reconnaissance aircraft, and directly support you know um, our guys on the ground. And 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 that was that was a really really cool mission. And uh, I got to travel the whole world and deploy a bunch of times. And wow. you know, I deployed. I think I deployed nine times. And and I got injured on one of my deployments. It wasn't combat related. I had just gotten injured on a mission. During the mission, we had gone back to kind of refuel and um, kind of threw something heavy into our aircraft because one of the guys in the back was taking taking time. And uh, I wanted that to be kind of expedited. So I jumped out of the seat and, and threw something in the plane and just kind of tweaked my back, just like everyone, you know, not a big deal. Just thought I'd pull the muscle and continued yeah. mission charlie mike and flew the mission and like every mission we get done we debrief and we work out that's kind of the culture and that's what you have you got a lot of time on your hands when you're deployed mm. um and so, so co- come to find out i end up getting uh you know a, a spinal injury from that um did I'm you sorry, have Carmen, to, did you no did you have to leave uh when you uh got your spinal injury so i um Yes and no. So I couldn't fly anymore because I was actually already, I just kind of, we have a maximum amount of flight hours we can do per month and, and per deployment. I was kind of already at that limit. Um, but, but I also just couldn't, I couldn't move. I was immobilized. Like the next day I woke up, I, I really thought I had, you know, just pulled a muscle in my back. I was stiff. I just couldn't move. I definitely couldn't go sit in a, in a cockpit, you know, for seven hours and uh, be effective at my job. So I tried. I actually flew one more mission. And I just like I can't do this anymore. This is just too. It's too taxing on my body. It was. It was. You know. It wasn't. It wasn't safe. So um, I ended up going home, and, and then that kind of started my whole medical journey. And you know, sometimes uh, military medicine isn't isn't the best way to find out what's wrong with you. But we we ended up finding it out. And after about a year and a half, from my back to my shoulder, we ended up. They kind of ended up narrowing it down that it ended up being a spinal injury, and so. Um, had an opportunity to to get spinal surgery, and then that kind of that kind of changed the path of my whole career. Um, I had always always envisioned staying in and being a commander, and I was on a commander's track, and uh, always wanted to do twenty plus years in the military. But but oh. because of my injury, and yeah, go ahead. How many years did you end up doing total? Uh, Sixteen years. And that's both Army and Air Force Correct. then. And so Correct. what was your rank when you left? You say you wanted to be a, a, a commander? Yeah, so I, you know, I left the Army as an enlisted. I was an E-4. Um, and then I joined the Air Force, obviously commissioned as a second lieutenant. And I, um, I retired as a, as a major. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. you got promoted fast then. Uh, yeah, so that kind of changed your, your whole life then. And then um, you left the Army and then what, I mean the Air Force, and then what happened then? Well, actually, so after I got injured, um, I had spinal surgery. I was, um, you know, I had a neck brace on. I was going through like physical rehab every day. And I didn't wear my uniform when I was in, you know, I was at a off-base rehabilitation physical therapy place. And I just wore like regular workout clothes. And for the first time, and this was like, you know, two or three months of rehab, I didn't wear my uniform. And it felt really weird from doing this for 16 years, looking on my left shoulder that I always 
kind of, you know, my patch, my flag is always there. Everyone knows that's always on your shoulder somewhere, right or left, depending on what unit you're in. Um, it felt really weird. And I was like, well, I kind of, I really want to get a cool flag for my house. I want to make something, do something. Um, and I didn't want a nylon flag, even though they're beautiful. I, I wanted something kind of substantial and, and, you know, tangible that you could feel. And I, I started doing a bunch of research and I found this wooden flag that I liked. Um, and at the time, no one made wooden American flags. This was in 2013. Um, and so I found one, but it was from a company that outsourced their manufacturing and they were made in another country. And I was like, well, I can't, I don't want to buy an American flag that's not made in America. So I, a buddy of mine said, why don't you just try to make one? I said, well, that's a great idea. I had a bunch of tools in my garage that my father had, you know, had given me and had bought me over the years that I just didn't have time to use because I was deploying all the time and just, you know, the ops tempo was high. So I went out the next day and just started woodworking. And I had, you know, I had zero experience prior to that in woodworking. So what do I do? I just try to figure it out, right? I either watch YouTube or I go to, you know, Home Depot and talk to somebody. I was going to craft stores and talking. It didn't matter who it was. I was always trying to improve my craft. And I just started making wooden American flags in my garage. And the first couple were terrible. I'm not going to lie, Carmen. They were terrible. So um, you started as a hobby then, right? As a hobby in my garage while I was going through rehab. I'd get done with rehab for the day and I'd just work in my garage. And that was sort of like therapeutic for you. Do you Absolutely. would you say no, that? Absolutely. I was, you know, living in Florida with the Florida heat and every day I looked forward to getting up early and going out in my garage and doing something and and taking a pile of raw materials whether it was sanding or you know, um, routing or or staining or painting like taking a pile of raw materials and turning it into something is, is is very rewarding, right? So, and not only that, it was very therapeutic. And at a time that I was, you know, I was depressed. I was, um, here I was, you know, a guy with a high ops tempo. I was very active and fit. And, and now I was um, challenged by uh, a setback by having spinal surgery and, and my limitations. And um, I was getting depressed physically and mentally. And so this was, um, this was kind of the catalyst that, that brought me forward out of that. And so I, was very passionate about this. And so I just kept doing this and doing this and making flags and I didn't know what to do. People would drive by and say, what are you doing? You know, I'm making flags in my garage. So you had a bunch then, of flags in the garage, huh? Absolutely. Like different prototypes. Say, hey, can, can you sell these? Do, can we buy one from you? And I'm like, wow, okay. Well, you know, I had a couple business degrees and an MBA that I had gotten in my time in the Air Force. And I thought, well, there might be something here, right? So, um, we had lost one of our, um, you know, fellow service members in our, in our community. And I asked our neighbor, um, who was friends with the widow, if I could just give her a flag just to say, you know, um, not only we're sorry for everything that's going on, but we appreciate everything that you and your family have endured and are going to continue to go through. Um, and I remember walking at the end of my driveway that morning and she had drove up and her minivan was parked there. And I walked out to her and, um, I handed her a flag and I, and I told her, you know, what it meant to me to be able to do this for her. And, um, That's awesome. it was, the, it was like the feeling, it's like what I tell people, it's the feeling you can't buy. Oh, it's that philanthropic right. feeling of just purely giving someone something 
right. with nothing in return. Like, I'm not asking for anything. I'm right. not even asking for a thank you. It's already implied. Like, this is for you. And 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 the only other way I can kind of relate it, and it's, this might be a bad analogy, but, you know, during Christmas time when you see the delivery, you know, UPS truck driving up and he's got a probably a Christmas gift that he's delivering to a mom that wants to give it to her son, like – that's a really cool feeling he has. Well, I get to do that all the time. And I didn't want to forget that feeling I had at the end of my driveway. So I thought, it's, well, I'm getting an early medical retirement. Why don't I launch a company? Wow. Uh, Brian, we're going to take a moment to uh, sure. just showcase one of our sponsors. Uh, you've been listening to Brian Schwartz, and uh, we're going to take a moment to showcase CPA Dudes. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring, their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. What a novel idea. They don't care. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, email, texts, or meetings. They just get the job done. You can find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. So for those of you who've just tuned in, we've been listening to Brian Stewart. He is a veteran who founded Flags of Valor. And uh, his story is about how a combat veteran started a business to help other business. So, uh, yeah, so now we're going to get into that part, the start of your business, right, Brian? So tell us about that. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, giving my first flag to a widow of a fallen service member was very, you know, philanthropic and the feeling you can't buy and... Um, I wanted to kind of I wanted to create a company around three main you know points of made in America matters to us and that kind of derived from finding my first flag that I couldn't find you know I couldn't find an American made flag um, online anywhere especially a wooden one and so what if I could create a company that could make products and at the time it was just flags and what if we could make flags that were all made with American, you know, materials and tools? And um, and then what if we could hire veterans, but specifically combat veterans that could find therapy in woodworking like I did? Um, and then lastly, but but um, you know, that feeling I had of giving back. What if what if that was the other component of this? So made in America matters, hiring veterans and giving back. And that's the, that's the three pillars, um, that I launched my company on. And if I'm not going to stick to any three of those, I'm not going to do anything else. And decisions are always made and have been made around those three things that I wrote down on a piece of paper and I put it in my safe deposit box. And I said, I will go back every time I make a big decision and I'm struggling to make a decision, I will look at these three things. And everything is based around that in my company. Uh, I love so, it. I love it. it it's kind of like, uh, almost sounds like that's your mission, right? Is that your mission? Absolutely. Mi absolutely. That, that is our mission. Um, and so I had, you know, I got an early medical retirement and I had moved and moved up to outside of Washington, D.C. And, and started Flags of Valor. And it started with my first employee, which ironically was my brother. Um, he was working another job down in the down in Alabama, and, and I asked him. I said, "Look, I'm, I'm going to start this company. I don't know where this is going, but I, you know, you're my brother. I love you. I want to work with you. You're also a veteran. Like this is going to be great, right?" right. Um, and so we started in a small workshop. You know, twenty. I think it was twenty eight hundred square feet. 
and just started hiring a couple guys and I had I think I had four veterans at the time and they're all combat vets and we just started making flags and um, had an opportunity to get some national media um, within eight months of, of our company being you know launched and and we grew overnight literally um, and that was because people got to see and hear what we do and, and appreciate the product when they get it and um, and we just started making a lot of flags <laughs> and that's kind of what catapulted us. And, and so, um, you know, we, we just continued mission and, 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 and then following year we, we got, we got another incredible opportunity for an even bigger meet national media piece. And, and every time we've gotten one of these opportunities, it's been very rewarding because we've been able to expand and, and reinvest first into our people and, and our families that we hire and, 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 and now we have, you know, 28 employees, wow. 20 of those are combat veterans, and we're only, you know, two and a half years old. Yeah, I, I noticed that. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me because you're reproducing an American flag is clearly patriotic. And the flag, you know, is such a powerful icon and means so many things to so many different people. And, you know, I took uh, a little time to look at your website, and I did see the artistic aspect of it. In fact, I ordered one. I, I totally was truly emotionally moved by the little video you have there, so I'm hoping at the end of the show we'll give your uh, website to our listeners so they can take sure. a look. But uh, your product, it's, it's not mass-produced, and it, it's just uh, handmade, and so I would think... Each one is is totally unique. Um, it's a unique piece uh, of art. That's right. I mean, um, you know, like you said, they're all they're all handmade. I mean, we don't have an assembly line in another country. We 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 build these and create these as a team, um, and that goes from you know cutting the wood, which we use um, we use many different species of wood, but for our core product line. Excuse me. We uh, we use eastern white pine, which is from New Hampshire and Vermont, and and we we cut the wood, we route it. It goes through a whole thirteen stage like antiquing process. We like our flags to be a little rustic and and a little antique, which is why we use some of the products and materials and techniques on them that we do. Uh, and and they are different. Every flag is completely different. We cannot make the same flag based on the wood and the grain. And the craftsmen, whether, you know, Rob the Marine or the Army guy, Rob, we have two Rob, but Rob, our Army guy, you know, sands it a certain way or Andre comes by and he sands it. Everyone has their own technique, even based on training. It's just going to affect wood differently. Um, and so each one has their own little story and imperfections in it. And that's okay because so do all of our veterans that make it. That makes and, it and special. Yeah, It makes it unique and and. And not only do we do that, but we, you know, we thrive on our customer service. We thrive on our storytelling because we want to raise awareness. So besides promoting patriotism by making, well, American flags um, or anything else Americana made out of wood or any other material, uh, we want to tell really cool stories. And, and last year we decided to, as part of our, part of our giving back, um, we'd wanted to tell some amazing stories of other people around the country. So we, you know, we put out through our newsletter and our social channels, like for nominations of just really cool American stories and nominate here. 
And so for five days, I got into a, a literally onto a plane, a train, and an automobile, <laughs> um, and we visited five different people. And it was, you know, all the way from someone with ALS to uh, a girl who, a little girl who was, you know, eight that lost her dad, um, who was a veteran, to uh, a little boy who runs to raise money for, you know, police officer law enforcement charities to a Vietnam veteran that lived out in Colorado. And we got to tell these really cool, amazing stories and capture this video in a way that we think is really unique and special. And so that, that kind of sparked the interest of a lot of big companies. Um, and some of our partners now today, like UPS and, and DeWalt, which is a Stanley Black and Decker company and, um, even Under Armour, like being able to work with these big companies that have not just because they love our mission, but they've helped us grow, you know, exponentially because of their help and their expertise so ups for example um they don't just come you know they're not just our main shipping platform like they care about us our sales rep is a friend of mine now and um they've really helped us grow and scale our company through all their other services they offer other than just having a delivery driver come out and pick up our box and put it into his truck. Yeah, and I notice you you deliver, uh, there's no delivery fees on these flags. So is that because of some partnership you have with UPS? No, actually, no. When we just kind of started the company, we went over our pricing model and said, listen, we want, um, you can go out there and buy some flags that are more, way, 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 way more expensive than what we offer. I mean, our most, our big, our biggest core product right now, our biggest flag that we make um, through our website is almost six feet wide. I mean, that's a very substantial piece. And the way we, the reason we priced everything the way we did is that we wanted the average person, as far as rank, in the military, for example, because that's what we all were at the time. We wanted any of those people that are within that average rank to be able to afford any of our products, and they're that's why they're all affordable. Um, and so that was our model. And we also didn't want anyone to have to pay for shipping. So whether that meant take a cut on our margin or not, we don't want people to pay for shipping. So as you can imagine, shipping flags that are made out of wood and they're larger in size can be kind of expensive at times, especially when you get up to the large, extra large flags. But that's always important to us. So we will always offer that. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. And I uh, also noticed that you had been fished featured on national television um you were interviewed uh by um kelly um trying to think of her name um uh kelly um megan kelly megan kelly right what did that just happen recently was that uh was it on memorial day or that was that was so the the um the first year we had an opportunity we we had an opportunity to be a vendor um during the rnc and and we would have actually gone to the dnc but we weren't asked at the time and they were just starting a new marketplace so we we had an opportunity to go there and ended up being on mornings with maria and fox and friends and then the next year which was last year we had an opportunity to be interviewed by abc world news tonight with david muir so we did that and that was that was incredible i mean that's the number one watch nightly news segment so that was obviously very uh, all of these have been very good for not just business but to hire more guys and to continue our mission which has been incredible based on everyone's support um and then this year we had an opportunity to we were you know got reached uh, contacted by one of the producers jack from the megan kelly show and he was an incredible guy his dad's a marine and and he just he completely understood what we were doing and he actually fought to to do a segment on us for memorial day and you know he came down here and we 
we did a bunch of footage uh, in all of our workshops and 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 that was that was incredible i mean like i said um talk about overwhelming support we we experience that um each and every year from those segments well, certainly uh, you're giving so much to the community that uh, people are taking notice. So I can see how that is escalating into more business and and more hires for you. So it's just sure, really I mean, wonderful. Yeah, I mean, there's no secret. I mean, it's gratitude. I am grateful for everything that has been, uh, you know, look, I, I grew up in the greatest country in the world. <laughs> I went from... You know, a guy that grew up with all my family joining a, a volunteer army and military to doing that myself um, and then using those funds because of that to go to college for free with no debt um, and no no loans um, and then joining again to an all voluntary military and 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 serving my country. And then and then I get to start a business like my journey has been pretty crazy like that. You can't do that in most countries um, and to be able to do that here. Um, there's a lot of gratitude that I feel every day. And then I'm very grateful for, you know, the men and women I get to hire. Um, and like I said, I, I really thought the, the giving back, you know, part of our mission as far as, and, and also hiring veterans, I thought that the most, the biggest factor I thought they were going to get out of that was being around, you know, being, being able to take raw materials and turn it into, you know, art like I was doing in my garage back when I had spinal surgery. But what I come at, what I come to fi- came to find out was that it was about being next to the guy or the, the man or woman to your left or right. It was about being around that brotherhood and camaraderie that everyone misses, whether you're a veteran or a first responder. And it's all there, right? Like the, the team and unity and really, truly creating uh, an, an area that they can come to work and feel completely safe in and thrive in. And so we had some trouble finding veterans and we've, we've, you know, we used veteran hiring sources. We've tried to, you know, you name it, we used it. And, and the best thing that we found was social media to hire our guys. Now that's interesting. Why, why did you have trouble finding veterans? Um, I don't know. And I don't know if it's based on, you know, um, geography. Now, granted, we're right outside of Washington, D.C., so most of the veterans I think here are, are, are mostly officers that go and work at the Pentagon or a three-letter agency, and then they get out and, you know, go to work at Boeing or Northrop Grumman. I mean, you name it, right? Contract work. Uh, I don't know. I, I know that, you know, we've, we've made a trip recently to, around Fayetteville, which has, you know, 6,000 veterans that get out a year. I mean, that is a lot of people and not only that, but they have a lot, they have a big presence based on being around a really, really big military base. So although there are a lot, a, a lot of small military bases around here in the DC, Maryland um, area, they're just not as big as, you know, some of these other locations around the country. Yeah. So, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to um, go back to is when you left the military, a question that we regularly ask our guests is what what was your takeaway or what what change you the military changes you I, I'm ex-army and I can say uh, I'm very grateful to everything in the military I served during wartime I'm actually a Vietnam era vet and so I can identify with those 
veterans sure. that served during war. Um, so what was your big takeaway when you left the military? If, or, you know, or small takeaway? Or I know that uh, you're certainly expressing a lot of gratitude where, you know, sometimes uh, some of our vets come back angry or, you know, they, they've been injured and, and traumatized. And so sure, sure. everybody has well, a different experience. Yeah, well, I mean, I can... Uh, you know, that's a, that might be our next topic as far as like post-traumatic stress and emotions and all that and, and how, you know, I can I can easily talk to that. I think the big thing that I took away, though, from the military, and maybe this was mostly because of um, being in a, you know, uh, combat arms as far as the, the Army being the infantry and then going to Special Operations Command um, is just focus and drive. And, and we we figure out a way to get it done, whatever that is. And that really helps me out in life. And, you know, whether in that's... business, I mean, that is so important for business, those types of qualities, focus and drive and, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and... And, and we can, and, and I like what you said, we can get it done no matter what. Are that's you... the problem, you know, you solution. We don't know it. You surround yourself with really good at, and and that's company. Yeah. No one in our woodworker. When we hire them, like Brian, you're cutting audible. you're cutting out a little bit. Uh, why don't we just uh, take a minute to do our next ad? And I'm not sure, um, you know, uh, we're, you're just cutting out just a little bit. I'm going to just take a moment to showcase our another sponsor, and we'll get right back to Brian. Um, so our 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 sponsor for this veterans. Uh, podcast we have uh today publicize um publicize is a deconstructed pr subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business publicize has broken down pr into a modular setup keeping quality high and simply just charge fees for the target pr you require check them out at publicize dot co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. We've been listening to Brian Stortz. If you've just tuned in, he is the founder of Flags of Valor. Brian, um, are you still there? And can you hear me? Okay. Yes, much better. Uh, so, okay. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we weird. lost you there for a little bit. So yeah, go ahead. Um, you, we were discussing your takeaway when you left the military, and you know you've. You've alluded to uh, big time on gratitude, but there's a lot of things that happen uh, to our our men uh, and and women who serve. And you know the reality is that there's a lot of them who serve who go to combat areas, come back with post traumatic stress, and just um, you know they have to come back and integrate to uh, civilian life. And sometimes that can be a challenge. Did you have any problems in that arena? Um, yeah, yes. I think, you know, uh, I was going down kind of a rabbit hole a little bit when I was injured and, and not being active. And, and um, I was I was going through some depression and and I was, you know, I had a little bit of anxiety and um, 
I didn't know what was wrong with me, right? I, I didn't know. I always thought, well, something's wrong, but what is it? And so through the years of, of uh, education and, and some amazing um, nonprofits that I've worked directly with and some programs that I've gone through and just hiring um, other you know men and women that experience post-traumatic stress, it just come to find out, like, there's nothing wrong with us. It's what's happened to us. And, and there's, there's a lot of data out there that supports whether, you know, you grew up with a bad childhood and then you have a combat experience, how that's, you know, multiplied by seven times or whatever. But um, we're not alone. I mean, that's part of our thing, too, is that besides promoting patriotism, whenever I get an opportunity to, to talk to someone or a group or to a podcast like this and to listeners, we always get follow-ups. And that's really important. So, you mentioned the Today Show Megan Kelly piece. Well, I got an email from a lady that whose you know son is a, a Navy veteran and he has post traumatic stress and you know he came back and has been crying for multiple weeks and she doesn't know what's wrong and she doesn't know how to help him and um, and you know I, so I got an email from her and I had an opportunity to talk to her the other day and and um, hopefully I'm going to be talking to her son soon. But we're not alone. Um, so no one should feel like that. And oh, by the way, are we different? Well, heck yeah, we're different. We're veterans. We need different. We need different in our world, right? So, yes. um, uh, so I guess to answer a long, a long question, long is that I do have a lot of gratitude. I do have a lot of um, pride in, in what I do, but and it's all based on most of my training and that focus. And, and that was instilled in me as a young kid because my dad was in the military. Um, you don't have to be, you know, a patriot or a veteran to have a flag on your car. I mean, gosh, after 9-11, it was very popular for everyone to have a flag on their car. You know, left, right, um, you name it, right? Everyone had one. Um, and so I, I just love my country. I love what I do. And I get to go to work with some amazing, incredible, incredible people every day that oh by the way also served and and it's just everyone in our company gets it because we're all the same that's wonderful yeah and i was actually looking up about um what flag that flag day symbolizes and i mean it was really created way back june 14 1777 and um by president woodrow uh, Wilson, who mm-hmm. issued a presidential proclamation, and so, um, so what does the flag mean to you? Since you know, like I said earlier, it's it's a powerful icon, and it means different things to different people. And so, you you mentioned earlier on the show that uh, you know when you were in the hospital, you 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 would look and say, oh, I don't have my uniform on, and you know your uh, flag patch. Was wasn't on on your on your mm-hmm, clothes and, yep. and and you started thinking about that and obviously that kind of made you yeah, start no, creating it so it's one question i get asked a lot and it's obviously most people have the same kind of answer it's about freedom and it's about the greatest you know country in the world and all those things all those things and i'm not paying lip service to those all those things are great and it does mean that but what it means to me it's more of a it's a family crest um it's a symbol of what you know it's about uh, my buddies that are, you know, buried 12 miles away from me in Arlington. Um, that's what it means to me. It means, you know, it, all the other things do mean a lot. And, and I'm very grateful for living in the best country in the world. And I truly believe that. Um, 
but it's more than that. It's about the brotherhood and the camaraderie and, and, and everyone that had served and that are serving and that will serve. Um, that's what it means to me. And it means about opportunity. Um, and, and it, it's a really good feeling to have. And I'm glad that I got to experience that and continue to every day. Uh, I like that. I like that, you know, thought of it means opportunity. And, you know, I was looking up what the colors stand for uh, as well, because that's, you know, in, in thinking about what you're doing, um, the colors of the flag, you know, were chosen uh, by someone. But, you know, the, the according to what I was looking at, it says white signifies purity and yeah, innocence. Purity. Right, and hardness and valor for red, and absolutely. And and the blue? Um, the signified... Vigilance and perseverance, I believe. And justice. Something like that? Yeah, yeah. and justice. And, and I mean, that's the first time I ever even realized that, that that's what it symbolizes. So. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why we try to educate, too. We're not, like, leaning, you know, hey, you got to know what the flag means, and here's the flag code, and, you know... But, but there is a little bit of, of education in it, and that's kind of why, which is a good segue into it, like a lot of the – every flag that we name for why it's named what it is, is it has a reason. Oh, um, and, and t- tell us about that and that you've come up yeah, with different so like flags. The first fl- yeah, I wanted to have a cool way to name all of our flags. So I wanted a naming convention that meant a lot and, and that represented and, and um, symbolized – you know, groups of people and honored them. And so, for example, our medium red, white, and blue 50 star flag, and we make 50 star flag, we make 13 stars, we make 48 star, I mean, you name it, custom work. But, but our core products for, for our medium 50 star red, white, and blue flag, instead of just calling it that, I wanted to call it something that meant something. And so we decided to call it a welcome home, which is in honor of all Vietnam veterans that, well, you know this very well, um, yes. didn't receive a proper welcome home. So it was a way for our company to say welcome home. And we wanted to do that by naming that flag that. And that's meant a lot to a lot of people. Oh, and and yes. it, you know what else it does? It resonates with people that aren't Vietnam veterans, that aren't even veterans, that understand now like, oh, wow, what do you, I mean, there are a lot of people that don't get it. They don't even know what it felt like, you know, for my father and many other, and probably even you. And for me, yes. When you came back and you were um, not appreciated for what you did. And that's a complete, completely wrong, and it's a complete disservice to what you sacrificed and did for our country. So that was just a small way for us to say, you know, thank you and and to do that. And then, you know, we have our small 50 star flag, which is called the Phantom Fury, which is in honor of all the Marines, um, you know, the battle of Fallujah and, and, and you go down the line we have the midway and, 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 and our largest flag, which is important to talk about too, is called the first responder because I look, all of us went to combat and serve. Most of us serve overseas and we wanted a way to honor the men and women that serve right here in our backyards and in our school districts oh, and that's in our awesome. neighborhoods. So we named it the first responder flag. We thought that would be really special. And, and it's such a big community that we didn't want them to be forgotten because a lot of times, whether it's press or not, you know, the first people you're going to call when you're scared or somebody's outside driving around your neighborhood or your cat's up in the tree, you're going to call the fire department. You're going to call the police department immediately. 
Um, and they're the men and women that are putting themselves on the line every day right here in, in our backyard. So every flag has a naming convention to it. It has a reason. And, and we sit down and we talk about it as a group and figure out what's next, what's the next group we want to honor and, and have some, a lot of meaning and content behind what we do. That's wonderful. So in, in speaking to that, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, your company has really grown in, in just less than three years. And so do you have any major challenges that you face now in terms of business? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, there's not a book for this. I mean, I don't care what business school you go to, whether you know, it's wardens or not, like you're going to, you're going to have challenges and, and, and there's no playbook for this. So um, the first challenge I think I had was I didn't have a very you know diverse financial background, and I got an opportunity to um, have a partner, a business partner, and, and a good friend that I also served with that helps me you know get through uh, really important decisions throughout our company's growth, and that's been I mean that's been amazing for us. Um, you have the challenge of well I mean we do at the end of the day hire veterans and combat veterans, so whether it's finding them. Or everyone has, you know, their own challenges, whether it's, you know, you got to kind of figure out um, how a guy or a girl's doing and, and what their challenges are from, from combat or, or how that fits into your company and your mission. And just know that at the end of the day, we're there for them and, and we provide a lot of opportunity and um, whether it's, you know, going to the VA and, and, and whenever they want, whether it's an appointment or, or just talking about it, like, Hey, how was your experience here? And a lot of times now I bring in a lot of help from outside veteran sources and resources and nonprofits that are there to help. And I bring them into our shop and, and we'll sit down and, and have a discussion on how they can help out and um, provide opportunity, whether it's not, you know, if it's a benefits opportunity or services opportunity, they don't have to go to the VA to do that. They can do that through other channels through their state. That's so, um, so true. So that's an, that was a challenge. And then just extreme growth, like from going from, you know, making, you know, uh, you know, 50 flags in one week to getting an order of, you know, a thousand. Well, you're going to you're going to experience um, a big scale problem. So we had a very limited amount of real estate that we were renting and, and trying to figure out how to get more and we couldn't get anything else within our current confines of our business, you know, park that we were renting from. So we had to get another facility. So having multiple facilities and now you have logistical, okay, I got to get wood done over there and cut and brought over here. And now I got to get a truck and there's, I mean, there's a logistical nightmare and then there's safety issues and got to perform, you know, standards up to OSHA. And so it's, it's been a roll, you know, a roller coaster of a ride, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, and again, you know, my Friday isn't any different than my Monday. You know, my Monday is just as exciting as most people's Fridays when they leave for work because I don't turn it off and it's not even work for me. It's fun. Yeah, it, it's it sounds like on the job training, and I mean that's uh, oh yeah, that's yep. that's what happens with uh, entrepreneurs like you. So, uh, do you have any? Uh, we're we're almost up in time, and I just wanted to just have you share any parting thoughts. You know, any you know uh, any. Um, 
anything that you've learned that would benefit any potential uh, veteran entrepreneur or any of our listeners today? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of, you know, I was kind of in this stagnant state where I was getting out of the military, whether it's, you know, three years or four years or 16 years or 20 years and, and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, and, you know, a lot of my, based on my peers, cause we were pilots at the time, a lot of them wanted to go to the airlines and that's great. It's a great opportunity and great pay. That just wasn't for me. And so I didn't want to do what was comfortable and what was kind of the status quo, which was, okay, I'm going to go be a pilot. I'm going to get out of the military. I'm going to go work for the airline, or I'm going to be an infantry guy. I'm going to get out and go work for security. That didn't excite me. What excited me was the unknown. And it was you know, I had a family and, and, and my wife was probably thinking I was a little crazy and, and, and to tell her like, Hey, we're going to, I want to really, I really want to do this. I'm passionate about this. And it's like, well, no one's ever done this before. No one, no one had created a flag company at the time. Um, I just took a chance and, and, and I just, I want to say like, if, if you, no matter what you're thinking and if you're sitting at work and you're bored or you're not happy, change it. I mean, you're the, you're the only one that can do it. And, and I don't believe in, in doing something. And you hear this from a lot of people, you know, I go to work every day or God, I got to go to work on Monday or Friday's really exciting. And you try to dip out early. And like I said, my, my Monday is my Friday. And, and I, and if you could find something that you're passionate about and that you love, um, and that makes you happy and it fits well within your family and everything else, then they're just going to have to get on board with it because that's truly, um, my drive and direction and and it's paying off for me and you know it takes courage to do that and you're certainly courageous and i don't know if i uh said thank you for serving earlier on but i want to say it now thank you thank you thank you for doing the same so and you know everyone else listening of course that's um you know we appreciate it and i think it goes back to what you started early in the show you said what if what if, you know, the question of, okay, do I really want to be a pilot? No, that's not really what I'm totally excited about. But you challenge yourself with those questions. What if I did this? What if I could have a, a, a business that serves veterans that is made in America and that, you know, what was the third um, component? Gives was, back. I mean, we've raised back almost and, a million dollars in less than three years. And on top of that, donated hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of flags from great organizations to help them raise money for their mission. And that's uh, part of what we do. That's totally admirable. So, Brian, where can our listeners find you? Find information about your company? Absolutely. I mean, we're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all under at Flags of Valor. So, and that's F-L-A-G-S-O-F-D-A-L-O-R. And then flagsofvalor.com is our website. And um, like I said, we have tons of videos. We have a giving back series that we're going to do again this year. Except, you know, last year we did five candidates. I think this year we're going to try to do about 20. Um, and so just telling really amazing stories and continue doing what we do. And we're going to continue to hire veterans, specifically combat veterans and, and, and hopefully, you know, first responder community soon and, and, and always give back and always make things in America because that matters to us. 
That's wonderful. Thank you, Brian, for being on the show today. You've been listening to Startup Radio Network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Listen, learn, get inspired. Thank you. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.